You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. No Nada today, as you heard last show that we did he is going to be in for fire Fridays as we so dub it and Doug is not in today as well so just rolling solo here to recap the weekend that you saw the Charlotte Hornets go through beating the Washington Wizards losing to the Milwaukee Bucks and we'll start with the good news I guess you start with the one win that they really needed to have there's a lot of must-win games this is that territory that the Charlotte Hornets are in right now they're at least able to get it done in the clutch, no less, against the Washington Wizards. So we don't have to see those tweets about the stat that the Hornets only have this many wins as far as a three-point or less game when it's all said and done. It was a one-point victory for the Hornets over the Wizards, 112-111. to And there was some drama at the end of all of this, uh, just looking at a couple of the big storylines. Marvin Williams goes absolutely bananas in this game, scores 30 points. That was a season high for him. And it was the first time that Marvin scored 30 points in a game since he was 24 years old. So that was about eight years ago. Marvin Williams did it with the Atlanta Hawks. He's done it. He scored 30 a few times in his career. But in the postgame interview, you heard him mention with Ashley Shamady, it's probably been 10 years since he scored 30. He was right. He, he was. It seemed like he was genuinely excited that, one, they got the win. Marvin has been as vocal as anybody on the team stressing that he thinks the Charlotte Hornets can still make the playoffs, but he did seem excited that he did score 30 points, that he played a major part in this. So just looking at this monster game from Marvin, he sets a season high in points scored, field goal attempts, and offensive rebounds. Probably wouldn't guess that just looking at this game from everything else he did from beyond the three-point line, but offensive rebounds had a season high or at least tied for it. And he also set a career high and three-point field goals made, he made seven. Never even had six before. I think the most field goals that he made from behind the three-point line was five. He had seven, and that's a career high for him. So pretty good game for Marvin. and also gave us just a sick putback dunk. Marvin is good for those. From time to time, he said it's about once a year uh, earlier this season when he did it. He's given us a couple, and he can reach into that bag, that part of his bag every once in a while. He'll show the athleticism like he's about 25 years old, and that was a lot of fun to see him put back that slam dunk uh, off of a missed shot. So Marvin Williams, hats off to him for stepping up in a game that was void of Kimba's heroics. And Kimba's game against Washington was really his third game in a row where he didn't play well, certainly offensively. I think defensively, You've started to see Kimba get in the jerseys of a lot of the point guards that he's been guarding. It's almost to a point where you want to save for Kimba to ease off a little bit. You understand how important his offensive firepower is to this team, just the ability to score any kind of points whatsoever, and how much victories hinge on the performance of Kimba. Defensively, he's really tuned in, though. It's somebody that is giving a lot of effort on that end of the floor, but it was the third game in a row that Kimba did not play well offensively. It was his third consecutive game. He shot under 32% and 30% or worse just from beyond the arc. He did play well against Milwaukee, but that came into a loss. So December 2nd to December 7th, that was the only other three-game stretch this season where he failed to hit more than six field goals, shooting less than 40% in each of those games. So again, glad to see him break out of that 
against Milwaukee, but we had only seen that bad of an offensive stretch from Kemba only one other time this season, and that was the very beginning of December, and we can remember how much he did struggle in that month, even last year. This year, even after the breakout month that he had in November and the good start he got off to in October, we saw the last two seasons Kemba had struggled in December. Got through that, now had a a good game, had a good bounce-back game against Milwaukee, and we'll be able to see what he does tonight against the Houston Rockets. Jeremy Lamb, he had 19 points. He had 10 rebounds as well. And how about Jeremy stepping up late in the fourth quarter when Kimba, again, it was void of Kimba's help a whole lot on the offensive side of the floor. But Jeremy Lamb hits a go-ahead three-pointer in transition, about 51 seconds left to go. And that was the last lead change of the entire game. So this whole sequence, right? Jeremy Lamb is able to hit that three-pointer. The Hornets would not relinquish the lead. They played some good defense down the stretch including from Dwayne Bacon, who that was probably the biggest storyline of this game. You had Marvin's 30-point game, and he was the best player in a Charlotte Hornet uniform. But Dwayne Bacon comes in and plays very good defense in that last play where Bradley Beal tries to hoist up a shot to give them the lead or at least put them back in it. And Dwayne Bacon, on top of the good defense that he played, had 10 points for you, had a few assists as well, zero turnovers. You heard James Borrego mention at the beginning before they were going to play that game he was going to tinker with the lineup once again and I think a lot of people guessed that Dwayne Bacon would somehow be a part of the mix Billy Hernan Gomez got 10 minutes did hit all three of his field goal attempts but defensively continues to show that he's a matador and I don't think there's any doubt about it there are times that Billy's just unplayable he's just putrid on defense and his deficiencies on that side it just doesn't make up for some of the good things that he can do for you on offense. I think the scale is too much in the favor of him hurting a basketball team being out on the court right now, but he did get some minutes. Dwayne Bacon is the guy that got more minutes significantly, more minutes than he had been getting really all season long. Ends up with 25 minutes against the Washington Wizards, would play 20 minutes against the Bucks, and didn't play all that well against the Bucks. Only three points for him, but played well against Washington, and including a very nice transition layup where he spins and he's able to hit it high off the glass. Dwayne Bacon actually showed you a little something. Going back to the end of the game where Jeremy Lamb hits the three, the Hornets get the lead. Dwayne Bacon does play good defense against Bradley Beal. There was some controversy at the end. Shocker. Charlotte Hornets amidst uh, in-game controversy at the end of the fourth quarter, just like you kind of saw against the Brooklyn Nets where Kimba wanted the foul call, and then Charlotte had to answer the question the next day whether it was a foul or whether it was not a foul. Well, good news here. The Hornets are actually the beneficiary of a controversial call, and it seems like that's the first time that's happened, really, this season and the last couple seasons that the Hornets have played. You look at Bobby Portis. He tries to go up and get that rebound where Bradley Beal did miss it, and he grabs it, but it looks like Marvin Williams does get a hold of his arm, and Bobby gets angry after the game and says, look, I would have had that rebound. We would have at least had an opportunity to tie that ball game up or at least get the lead, and instead there was no foul call, and I'm excited to see. He didn't say excited. He said, we'll see what the two-minute report says. He actually had a tweet about him looking forward to the two-minute report. So the two-minute report does come out. And it says, quote, Williams grabs and pulls Portis's arm during the rebound and affects his ability to secure the loose ball. It should have been a foul. And I'm here to tell you I could not care any less that the two-minute report goes against the advantageous eventually no call that would happen for the Hornets. Man, we've been in that situation way too many times. I'm just fine with the way that that game ended. Uh, it's, it's completely okay. 
that the refs missed that call, considering what's happened against Brooklyn, where we had a 50-50. Was it a no? Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? We had to discuss that all the time. We got the MB travel at the beginning of the year. That was not called. Eventually, he would get fouled, hit a couple free throws, and certainly ice that game where the Hornets could not win it. You've had a lot of these situations for the Charlotte Hornets. Finally, it breaks the way that is advantageous for Charlotte in a way that I don't think we've seen a whole lot. Going towards the box score, just real quickly, looking over some of the loose ends that we have not talked about. First bad game from Frank uh, playing against the Washington Wizards, but he did actually have a good one against Milwaukee. So Borrego still rode him uh, only 15 minutes for Frank against Washington, but he did ride him again against Milwaukee. And played a pretty good game there. Only four points for him against Washington. MKG gets back in the mix, but only seven minutes for MKG against Washington. Like I said, Billy played 10 minutes. Tony Parker just 12, only one of six. It seems like Tony Parker just might be tired. And I think that's something we were all worried about heading into this game. Malik Monk, still a no-show. Shelvin Mack, Malik Monk are the only guys that were active for this game that got a DNPCD. Miles Bridges had a bad game against the Wizards, but he did have a decent one against Milwaukee. Cody Zeller did the Cody Zeller thing, getting you eight points, giving you six rebounds. You know, that's normal, maybe a little bit worse than normal, but not that much difference from what Cody gave you. And Nick Batum goes four of 11, eight rebounds, five assists, nothing too special there. So we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with more, take a look at what happened in that Milwaukee game, take a look at what happened also or what will happen tonight against the Houston Rockets. We want to take a chance real quick, though, and give a shout out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, Visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Again, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with more here. It's Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or all of the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action, and they have something for everyone. And even for you guys that like to fill out multiple brackets, you have zero morals. You just fill out a million brackets. They even have something for you. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours or less. They'll give you money. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA with MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And if you're interested in maybe putting a little bit of action in on the Houston Rockets and the Charlotte Hornets tonight, just got the injury update. In fact, Doug just texted it to me. He said he, he tweeted at me the Charlotte Hornets PR tweet that was just out. And it says injury update. Versus Houston, Marvin Williams with an illness is out for this game. 
Cody Zeller, left knee soreness, is out for this game. MKG, with a left knee strain, is doubtful for this game tonight. And Jeremy Lamb, with left hamstring soreness, is probable. <laughs> so I, That is brutal. For you to have all of those guys out, and Jeremy Lamb is the only one that's even probable, it's not even certain that he's going to go in. It seems like you need to break the bank, bet the mortgage, that the Hornets are going to lose this game against the Houston Rockets. I would love to see the line on this. I don't know if it's been altered since all of these injuries just came out, but Cody Zeller out for sure. Marvin Williams out for sure. MKG with a left knee strain and doubtful for tonight's game on the road against the Houston Rockets. Look, it, what the Hornets are going to have to do is they're going to have to steal a couple of victories to make up for a Brooklyn Nets loss that they had or for a Miami Heat loss that they had. They're, they have to steal a couple of games. Houston, on a couple of days rest, even if it is on the road, I don't know how positive you felt about their chances tonight anyway. But with that kind of report coming out about Cody Zeller being out and Marvin Williams being out for sure, MKG being doubtful, even though there were some times that he wasn't playing anyway, not to not have him at your expense on the bench, it seems like this is going to be a really tough pill to swallow. In fact, Doug, along with sending me that update, he also texted me right after that. He said, chances that Doug watches this entire game, doubtful. I'm I'm right there with you. I, it's going to be tough. I'm going to have to watch it, of course, but it's not going to be a pretty sight. Hopefully they can find some way to stay in it within the second half. And you wonder just with all of these guys out, so if Cody Zeller is going to be out and you have Marvin, there's a lot of guys in the front court that might be able to get some more playing time here. So you wonder, Dwayne Bacon, you, you would Content, you would think you would continue to see him. Frank Kaminsky, you would think you'd continue to see him. You wonder about Billy Hurd and Gomez, how much minutes he gets. He only got four minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks, only made one field goal. Uh, you wonder if Billy is somebody that gets put in here. And Jeremy Lamb, you know, if Jeremy Lamb doesn't go, now he is probable for tonight's game, but let's say that you don't want to put too much strain on Jeremy. You wonder, is this a game that Malik Monk actually finds some playing time? If Jeremy Lamb is unable to go, and you decide that you want to go with Malik Monk, you know, is that somebody that can maybe hit a couple of shots and fight his way back into the rotation? It's been a game-to-game -game basis and that you can predict Borrego's rotations. It, it's been hellacious. It's been all over the place. It, you have not been able to know definitively what kind of rotation Borrego is going to go with, except maybe the starters. And even the starters, after the All-Star break, he puts Miles Bridges in there for Jeremy Lamb, but you wonder if Malik Monk, if Jeremy Lamb is unable to go or if Borrego wants to kind of watch his minutes, if Malik Monk is somebody that will get back into the rotation, only played three minutes against Milwaukee, but it has been DNP CDs. So we'll see. You know, tonight, tonight's going to be tough going up against the Houston Rockets, but let's talk about that Milwaukee game a little bit more. Finally, the Charlotte Hornets get off to a good start. They had been void of that. This is a team that had not gotten off to good starts here recently. They score 32 points against Milwaukee in the first quarter and 27 in the second. They actually have a first-half lead, so pretty good for them. They hold that first-half lead, and then they get outscored by 20 points in the third and fourth quarter combined. 39 points they allow in the third, 37 points they allow in the fourth, and the Bucks are able to win this game 131-114. to It's a team that does match up well with the Milwaukee Bucks or match up as well as they do with any of the other elite teams in the NBA or among the better teams in the NBA. It's just they got too much talent. You, know, you have Giannis taking over, hitting both of his three-point attempts. So he, had, he had four three-point attempts, but hitting both of the ones that he actually made in that fourth quarter, You know, and he only missed four shots all in all. 
against the Hornets in this game. So you look at Giannis scoring 26 points. Brooke Lopez continues to be a beast for them this season. It's amazing the Lakers decided to let him go. 25 points for Brooke Lopez and only one three-pointer for the Splash Brother. It seems like Brooke Lopez is a Splash Brother the way he's shooting from beyond the arc this season. 7-11 for him. Eric Bledsoe didn't have a good game, but Brogdon had 18. Miritich comes off the bench and scores 18. Their rookie, DiVincenzo, scores 11. It's just, it was an offensive outpour in the second half. And the Bucks just too talented. And the Charlotte Hornets didn't have an answer, and they couldn't find one at least in the second half. And you know, again, when Giannis hits both of those pull-up threes in the fourth quarter, you knew this game was destined to finish with a Bucks victory. And so now you look at the situation for the Hornets. I just kind of alluded to it looking at this Houston Rockets game. You look at the Hornets right now, they have to find a way to steal a couple of victories in a schedule that is extremely unfavorable. So they're on the road against Houston. And after this Houston game, they actually have a couple of winnable games. It's They're both on the road. It's one at Washington and one at Miami. But after that, like... I mean, you got to win both of those. You have to win against the Wizards. You have to win against the Heat. And this is, of course, if they're trying to get in the postseason. If you're a tank guy, then you don't care what they do. But the Hornets, if they want to make the postseason, they got to win both of those games. Because the next games they have after that, it's Philadelphia at home. It's Minnesota at home. It's Boston at home. Toronto on the road. Spurs at home. And then it's the Lakers on the road. And that's March 29th. And it seems like that Lakers game is the next game that you think the Hornets would be favored in Minnesota is one that maybe you could see the Hornets getting a victory that is at home against a team that has underperformed uh, compared to the talent that they have on that roster but Washington and Miami are the only teams that you would see the Hornets being favored against until you get to March 29th there's about five teams in the mix right there where I think you would choose the opponent in every single one of those games of course after LA you got Golden State on the road and Utah, which has been playing a lot better in the second half. Then you got New Orleans. Then it's Toronto. Then you finish off actually with a, with a nice three-game end of the season. Detroit, Cleveland, Orlando are all winnable games. But even the way Detroit's playing right now, especially with it being in Detroit, you would have to favor the Pistons in that game. And this is the situation that lies with the Charlotte Hornets. We did get a report over the weekend that I don't think caught uh, a whole lot of people attention but it was still a big pretty story Sam Amick of the athletic he reports that it seems like he uses the word scuttlebutt which is hilarious to me I've seen that a whole lot in reports but the scuttlebutt around the league is that most people feel Kimba is most likely to leave this season and I think this is the first time that we've seen any kind of text anybody put it in writing that they feel Kimba is going to leave based on the circumstances that lie with them ahead now Kimba has been out in front saying how much he loves Charlotte and how much he wants to stay and we've talked about this constantly over the course of the year it's been the biggest question that the Hornets are going to have to answer all season long and it's going to leak into the offseason once we figure out all of NBA free agency how much is a team not being able to get Kyrie Irving how much is that going to affect them are they going to try to throw all the money they can at a plan B which would be a Kimba Walker or Kevin Durant you know how much are these other free agents going to affect what they decide to do with Kimba and now Kimba, it, it, with, without a playoff berth, it certainly doesn't look like the Hornets are going to make the playoffs. There's still a shot. I think most people would bet against the Hornets making the playoffs at this point. And so if they don't get a playoff appearance and the Hornets don't look, I mean, they can't change the roster a whole lot next season unless Kimba's gone. 
I mean, Marvin's going to opt in. You have all these guys opting in to their player options. The only thing you can do, you can try to throw some money at Jeremy Lamb. He's going to be able to make more money probably with another team. He'll probably take that offer. And you're looking at basically one roster spot that is going to look all that different. You're going to get a first-round selection and a second-round selection, assuming Mitch Kupchak likes him enough to keep him on the team, which you would think, of course, first year, second-round pick, they're going to stay with the squad. And that's the only differences that this roster is going to undergo. And if Kimba takes a look at this roster and he looks at this at 30 years old, especially with the kind of wear and tear that he has to go through in the back half of all of these seasons because he is the guy. You know, at the beginning of the season, maybe you can see yourself being hopeful, as all fans are, saying, yeah, we can make the playoffs. I like this roster. But then once you get to late March, you start to look around and, you know, these are the guys that I'm working with. And it's not good enough to be ahead of Orlando. It's not good enough to be ahead of the Brooklyn Nets, the Detroit Pistons. It's not good enough to be ahead of those guys. Yeah, I I could see how that would strain the mind a little bit, how Kimba might want to leave. And Sam Amick is the first guy, at least that I've seen, that has put it on paper that says it looks like Kimba Walker is more than likely going to leave than sign again with the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with plenty more here. We got a little bit more of the Houston Rockets game tonight. We'll kind of go over what happened the last game that did happen pretty recently and also some other news that's going around in the NBA. Thanks again for joining us. It's Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school, and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes... Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Last time the Hornets played the Houston Rockets, I think the guy that had the biggest game was Flint Capella, and it's been a theme that has certainly happened recently. The Hornets haven't been good at rebounding the basketball all season long. But you look at that, it was three out of four games in a row where you had the big man for the opposing team just destroy the Charlotte Hornets. You had Clint Capella going for, I think, about 17 rebounds, 15 rebounds, something like that. You get a break with Brooklyn, but then Portland, Yusuf Nurkic kills him, goes for 17 rebounds, and Miami, Hassan Whiteside, is able to get you 15 rebounds. So 15, three guys with more than 15 rebounds in three of the last four games you had played up until you played Washington and Milwaukee that have a big post presence, a big mean post presence, right? Like you can look at Brooklyn, and Jared Allen is a shot blocker. I don't know if anybody would characterize him as mean. Jared Allen is just a really skilled defender. But Clint Capella kind of has a mean streak. Nurkic, certainly, the Bosnian beast, Kind of a mean dude. Hassan Whiteside can show you some attitude. All three of those guys just played some bully ball down low. And Cody Zeller shows fight, so I don't know if a whole lot of this is against Cody. I think Cody Zeller shows a lot of fight. I mean, hell, his nose has taken a beating here in the NBA because he's not scared of getting down and dirty with anybody. But you have three of the big guys that just destroy the Charlotte Hornets, and lo and behold, you got Clint Capella up again tonight. A guy that does have a mean streak that destroyed you, got over 20 points, by the way. And all three of those guys, I didn't even mention the offensive scoring 
the offensive ability that they had in all of those games, all of them scored at least 18 points or more. I think Hassan Whiteside gave you 18. Nurkic gave you 18 or 20. Clint Capella gave you over 20. So all those big guys, it's going to have – can you contain Clint Capella? And, of course, they, James Harden had a very inefficient night when they played the Rockets last. James Harden was undergoing a terrible drought from three-point range. He hit one in that game and pretty much looked to the sky and thanked the heavens that it went through. Chris Paul had a Chris Paul game, I think 17 points, 10 assists. You live with that. You live with Chris Paul doing that. James Harden did get 30 points, but again, it was a very inefficient 30. Hey, can, can you hold him to another inefficient night? I, it, it's just going to be tough. And this is the one statement that Doug had after that Houston game. Doug, he kept echoing it, that it felt like the Charlotte Hornets threw everything that they had at the Rockets and actually executed okay. They scored 113 points. They lose by five. But it seemed like the Charlotte Hornets, it was everything that they had that they threw at the Rockets, and they still lose. And I don't feel like he's all that wrong. Maybe there was a couple of defensive lapses here and there, but for the most part, I don't think you ask for a much better game than what they gave you against Houston. At home, they still could not find a way to beat that team. And that's a team that has found themselves all the way up at the three spot in the Western Conference where they were not (laughs) for a long time. So they are playing some very good basketball. It's just tonight on the road, Houston playing at home. The Hornets threw their best shot at them and they weren't able to do anything. And now you also are playing a, a guy that you would consider plays to one of your biggest weaknesses in Clint Capella, not rebounding the ball well. Somebody that's able to get a couple of second chance points on you. James Harden seems like he's going to be able to hit Clint Capella for a couple of lobs. Same thing with Chris Paul. You're hoping that you can keep Clint Capella in check because it's a lot of offensive firepower that the Houston Rockets have. And it's going to be tough to stop them, especially with Cody Zeller out. So Cody Zeller, even while I was trying to defend him in the first game, Cody's not even playing here. And Bismack, I believe, just coming off of injury after he missed a couple games. You know, Billy Hernan Gomez would get eaten alive trying to defend Clint Capella. Just it doesn't look like a favorable matchup, especially with all of these guys out. I don't know who, who you would consider a favorable matchup for the Charlotte Hornets right now with all the injuries that they're undergoing. All right, that's all the time we have for today. I want to get into some of the other things that are going on around the NBA with Doug tomorrow. So we'll wait for that. But again, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you on a Tuesday.